lately there have been some conversations, especially as you know, I'm going through like fundraising and stuff like that. There have been some conversations that are more personal than professional. Like they're not really fully centered around like the performance of the company, but more like, oh, well, how do you personally think that you guys are gonna navigate through this? Um, I say this because I'm almost eight months pregnant. So I think like there's been some times where like there's been criticism on like, oh, so like, how are you gonna handle maternity leave? Or like, what are you gonna do when your child's born? That like, I've never heard those questions asked of men ever. Mm. Like, I'm like, I don't know, I'm gonna do the same thing that your homeboy did when he had his kid, <laughs> you know? Like, or the same thing you did when you had it, you know what yeah. I mean? The person asking you. Yeah, you know? And so I think that kind of goes hand in hand sometimes with criticisms or like feedback that are like based in personality traits or like life choices and things like that, that don't really have anything to do with the business itself. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quintuera's podcast brought to you by Plural. As a reminder, on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. And we do that each week by having a new guest join us for a very candid conversation around their experience between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Kayla Castañeda. Kayla is the founder of Agua Bonita and third generation Mexican American, self described as a no sabo kid. Much like the agua frescas that the company makes, her family history started in Mexico and then settled in the fruit fields of Central Valley, California. Her family immigrated to the States pursuing the opportunity for a better life, like many of our families did. And they really followed the migrant farm work, which brought them to where the company is currently based. It's a region where 60% of the nation's produce is grown. Growing up, she remembers her grandfather bringing home really ripe fruit from the fields that he just couldn't let stand go to waste. So they would sprinkle things on top of it, like chili powder, or make the fruit into agua frescas for the whole family to enjoy. It was something she and her family enjoyed, but didn't really think of it as a business growing up. That said, when Kayla lost her job mid-pandemic, she thought when life gives you lemons, you make agua frescas. <laughs> she decided to create something that was reflective of her culture, her family, and her grandfather's teaching of never letting food go to waste. And that's when Agua Bonita was born. If you want to learn more about Agua Bonita, I'll leave some links in the show notes and the episode description for now. Since you have more context into our guest, let's get into the episode. It's interesting that you mentioned the word authentic, right? Because that's actually the first question I start every podcast with, because authenticity is such a buzzword, yet in 100 plus episodes, I found that it means something different to everybody. So when you hear the word, what does it mean to you? Um, for me, authenticity means just showing up as yourself. It doesn't surprise me that so many people have different definitions definitions of authenticity, right? Because showing up as yourself is going to be different for every single person. Even the way that we experience the same culture, the way that we interpret the same experiences, it, at the end of the day, it's going to be different for every single person. So I think, yeah, authenticity is really just around like showing up as yourself. What about growing up? Do you think it was easy to show up as yourself? No, I, I think that there's lots of times, though, that 
I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really have a choice, I think. I think that there is sometimes, because of my cultural identity, that, like, I would meet other people and they would just be like, um, oh, you're Black, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And in my mind, like, up here was just, like, very Latino and very, like, an Americanized Latino, you know? And so that is like what I mean sometimes in in terms of like showing up as myself, like feeling like one thing, but showing up in these spaces and other people dictating what, what I'm showing up as because of their preconceived notions. Yeah. I think our family also has such an impact on how we show up because they have certain expectations on like, you're going to present yourself a certain way because you're not going to be embarrassing me out there in these streets. Right. (laughs) So like what sort of expectations do you think your family had in the way you showed up? Honestly, my family, the pressure never came from my family. Mm. I am my family's like golden child, like only (laughs) daughter kind of thing. I could do the least amount of something and they would be so proud. It was never from my family. I think it was always people outside the home. But having that dynamic with my family helped me because my mom and my dad in particular, no matter how crazy the idea that I had, he always was like, do it. Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. You know what I mean? It didn't matter how far-fetched this idea was, <laughs> you know? He just, like, always encouraged me, like, if you think that you can do that, like, you can do that. And so that's the way that I showed up in the world was, like, who are you to tell me that I can't do something? Because my dad said that I can, you know? So, yeah. Oh, that's so dope. I could imagine the first time someone told you, like, you can't. You're like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. it must- <laughs> It must have been like the first person that ever you like <laughs> also can't imagine like how funny it must have been to be like, my dad told me I could, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I mean, there's there is definitely a lot of times where I just like uh, went into things with that mentality. And I think that that's what helped me to succeed at those things, because I wasn't so scared of not succeeding or I didn't have this like idea that oh this is impossible to do because i'm like no i i can do this someone already told me i could do this so i could do it so when you thought about like when you had grand visions of like career wise um early on you know the possibilities were endless right because you thought you could do whatever it was so like what what did you start thinking about like early career wise (laughs) you know (laughs) to, to show you the depth of my delusion maybe i got coffee with my fourth grade teacher recently and it was around third or fourth grade that we got asked the question like what do you want to be when you grow up and like (laughs) my my answer very confidently was like i'm gonna be the first woman president of the united states and like that was just very matter of factly like i just i want to be in charge of things i want to make the rules and stuff like that and just like last week i actually got to go visit the white house for an invitation um for this program that they're rolling out around like women on quarters and our economic Mm -hmm. impact um in the u.s and so it's just like you know i i knew from the onset when i was thinking about what i wanted to do with a career i wanted to be in a position where my ideas were heard and where i could influence the organization that i was the head of i mean it's still possibility yeah for sure i mean i don't think i want to anymore Um, (laughs) but but i think you know being the ceo of my own company is kind of like a reflection of you know where those roots started and it's why i left a big corporation too because i used to work for coca-cola and 
you know, you come to that day of reckoning where you realize I could spend decades here and my ideas may never see the light of day. And is that a gamble that I'm willing to take? And for me personally, no, it wasn't. I also had that sort of upbringing. Like my mom didn't have like, I mean, you always hear these stories of like, my family told me I had to be a lawyer or a doctor. And my mom, I didn't, I, I grew up with my mom and my grandparents. Um, and my mom like gave me so much autonomy as a kid to just like figure it out. And I love that because I didn't feel pressure to like go in a certain direction. Right. But when I thought about career wise, I thought of tech the same way that like you kind of think of your dad. Like I saw tech as this environment of like, I can finally be myself there. Right. They preach to this authenticity and like do whatever you want, all these kind of things. And when I got there, I felt a little discouraged because I was like, damn, it kind of wasn't what they preached. I'm curious for you, like growing up with this, <laughs> you said delusion, uh, but this like guidance from your dad. But then you start your career. What was that first reaction like early on when you started working? One of my first like real jobs, which was just essentially like not waiting tables or something, was with MLB. Not that waiting tables is not a real job. I think waiting tables, everyone should do that at least once in their life because it's a very valuable experience. But um, the quote unquote corporate job. Yeah, the corporate job um, was working for Major League Baseball. I was working and kind of dabbling in like sales and marketing for them. And that experience did show me that there's so much like institutional bias in so many different levels, especially being like a minority woman working in a very male dominated space. And mm -hmm. so that was when I knew that like, I, I can do this, but I'm gonna have to like step my game up a little bit. And this is probably like a recurring theme that I might find in these spaces from this point forward. Give me an example of when you realize, like, yo, there's some, like, institutional stuff going on here. Yeah, so I was on an inside sales team. There's about 10 of us. I was, like, one of maybe just a couple women. And my boss, at the end of the season, like, periodically, they would let people go. So it started off with 10 of us mm -hmm. and then ended up with, like, just, like, the three top performers. And I was one of those three top performers on the, on the high side of those three. And my boss at the time told me, yeah, when you first started, I just thought that you were too cute and too nice to probably do well in this kind of job. But now I know that that's not true. And that was like one of those experiences where it's like, you could be cute and be nice and still be great at your job, but you're not telling that to any of the other men on the team, you know? Like, you're not telling the guy that, like, looks like a square, that he's too cute or too nice to be, like, good at this job. Like, you're telling me specifically because I'm a woman, you know? And if you had spent even two days talking to me, you would realize, like, I grew up in, with a bunch of men. Like, the way that I talk is crass sometimes, and it's just not the cute idea that you had of me in your head. Who did you tell about that that situation? I mean, friends and family. I don't think I, I didn't make it. It's not like a at the at the time that I was told this, the season's already over, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're already asking like if, you know, if I want to have a follow on job and stuff like that. But I also knew like this isn't where I'm meant to be, you know. But I do tell people that oftentimes is like, you know, I think that that's just a good representation of like women being underestimated from the jump just because like you're a woman yeah 
Well, I mean, the only reason I asked that, I wasn't expecting like, oh, I went to HR. I just, in a lot of these conversations, I found that we sometimes don't even tell our friends and family because we just think it's like, oh, well, that's part of the job. Like, and also maybe they're not going to understand because our family haven't been in the rooms that we've been in. Our friends, they may have cool jobs, but it ain't the MLB. They're going to be like, what are you complaining about? Don't you work with like all these athletes can't you go to games and like do all this shit so sometimes we feel like no one's gonna understand us let me just keep this tucked in yeah that is something that i struggle with all the time especially building this business and also still yeah yeah i struggle with this probably more now than ever before in my career because i think that there's some things very unique to entrepreneurship and unique to some of the experiences that I've, I've gotten and opportunities that I've gotten that it's almost impossible for some of my friends and family to relate to those experiences. And yeah. if I complain about it, sometimes it feels like I feel like I'm being ungrateful, but yeah. it's not. It's just that like I'm trying to get a fair shake and they can't understand like what's the big deal here. Yeah, I'm making this up, but you're like, Oh, I only got two million in funding. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. people are like, are "You ungrateful ass, you know, whatever." Like, yes. you got what? Do you know the percentage of Lat- Latino businesses, Latina businesses that even get a million dollars? But, yes, but, exactly. but, but, why should I settle for that when, in reality, my counterparts that aren't Latino are getting trillions? I'm making this up, let right? Me, let me take you to my next. Uh, next investor phone call (laughs) yeah because no that's exactly this is something i talk about all the time is that yeah we might have raised uh you know one million two million dollars but the brands that are just as old as us and similar trajectories raised seven million so you know like they're raising double what we raised and like we're on track to do the same thing you know like how, how is that fair it's not so you felt even like in the MLB situation, although it wasn't like directly relatable, you felt a little bit more comfortable talking about those compared to like now. Yeah, exactly. Because I think some of those experiences like are generally experienced by women yeah. like widespread. But I don't know if um, like being an entrepreneur, not everyone's an entrepreneur. And then, yeah. you know, we're starting to get some level of success, you know, so it's like not everyone um it gets into those same types of conversations. So it's hard to to bring any sentiments that are like nothing but grateful into other yeah. conversations. I'm curious, back in the day when you did share some of that, I'm curious like what, what kind of feedback did you get? And I'm asking because I'll give you an example. Like I asked my mom who, come on, she's like 70. <laughs> yeah. And till this day, she doesn't want to admit that she's experienced some of this shit. And I'm like, mom, you tell me no one's ever made fun of your accent. Like, yeah. no one's ever done this, this, and that. And so one of the reasons why I never felt, you know, comfortable having those conversations, because I felt like my mom would have just been like, you know, keep working. Do what you got to do. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, what kind of feedback did you get from people? It it varies. I think, like, with other founder friends, you know, they they get it to a better degree. With my friends and family, I think sometimes there's, like, an attempt to relate you know, but it's just like oranges and apples that we're still comparing. And then, yeah, then there's some people that I just like don't even bring it up to because they're like, 
not toxic positivity. Like I, you know, I need the positivity, but it's just like, you know, being like, oh, you just got to work harder or it'll work out. You know what I mean? It's like, statistically it doesn't. And I, and I don't want to <laughs> be like, I don't want to be that person that's like, uh, like <laughs> what you're telling me is BS. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying like, I mean, from a purely removed statistical standpoint, like it actually doesn't work out that often, you know? And, um, yeah, so it's a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to some of those early career experiences, like, I also want to check in on, like, what did your swag look like? Like, how did you dress up, do your hair? Did you hide any parts of yourself that you felt, like, sort of uncomfortable showing? Yeah, I mean, my hair has been a thing my whole life. I'm the only daughter, too. So, like, I have three younger brothers. So, like, you know, they just cut their hair short. It didn't matter, you know, what like the texture of the hair was, but like there was no hiding the texture of my hair. And so when I was younger, there was definitely like, I did all the relaxers. I did all the things, you know, trying to make my hair more manageable or whatever. Showing up to work. Yeah. I wouldn't go to like an interview without my hair straight and stuff like that. Now it's like, I will maybe straighten my hair once a year, if that, because this is just like, this is who I am. And that's just, you're going to get what you got to get at that, at that point in time, you know, and it was hard when I was younger. And then I think that you get to a point where you're like, my resume speaks for itself. And if that's not like what you want, this is not where I belong anyway. What was that moment for you? Like, was it a certain title, certain like tax bracket? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what was that moment where you were just like... I'm going to start showing a little bit more of myself. I think it was when I moved to New York City. Because I grew up in a small town here in California, really rural, like agriculture heavy, lots of like farmers and farm workers. And so there's a distinct disparity between the communities here. Even just like dating options, there wasn't a lot of like dating options outside of like particular races and stuff like that. And then I moved to New York City and it's just like, a melting pot of all these people and everyone doing their own thing and like just on their own vibe all the time. <laughs> and that's when I was like, no one cares what you do. <laughs> like I can walk out <laughs> of the store looking crazy and they would just be like, no one really truly cares. And if they do, like they have too much time on their hands to be like minding the business that does not pay them. So I, started to change my mindset then I think was just like, I am just going to show up in the way that feels most comfortable for me to show up. And if it's and uncomfortable what, for other people, that's their problem. And was your hair the first thing that you started kind of like embracing? Uh huh. So what was that moment where you're just like, I'm imagining you getting dressed and you're just like, you know what, fuck it. Today's the day. And you're just like, looking at yourself in the mirror. There's gotta be anxieties. You walk into work, taking the train of like, what are people going to say? Are they going to say anything? Like, did you have yeah. any of those like inner monologues? I, mean, I, was just, I was so happy that I didn't spend the time to like do my hair. Like straightening my hair takes a long time. You know what I mean? And so I think I was just so happy to have that time back into my life. Like I was like able to go get breakfast before my shift started and stuff like that because <laughs> I wasn't busy doing my hair. You know what I mean? Not that you don't want to look cute and all that, but you know what I mean? I was just like, I was like, I'm not. I'm not doing the whole nine. So it wasn't actually like so much anxieties about it, just more, this feels, this feels good. Mm -hmm. And what was the reaction? How were you received? Lots of, there was lots of comments initially like, oh, 
your hair, like nothing ill or anything like that. It was just like, oh, like you changed your hair or whatever. And a lot of me like correcting like, no, this is how my hair naturally is. You know, <laughs> like it, I didn't like, I didn't do anything. This is not a perm. Like this is just how it sprouts out of my head. A and lot so of think, like education you had to do yes, a little bit. Yes, a, a lot of education, but it was, it was fine. And I think like getting past those initial things um, especially the educational points. Once that's established, it's just like, okay, any other questions? <laughs> like, all right, well, then let's move on. I think authenticity often comes in waves too, right? Like, I feel like we often suppress so much and then we start showing like, ooh, let me show this part of myself. Ooh, that worked. Nobody said anything. Let me, let me show this other part of myself and this and that. And it's fascinating because earlier in this conversation, you said like you wanted to be a leader. You wanted to be the person that made the rules and all these sort of things, but... I think often, and also for women, right, that perception of a leader or someone dictating directions or, or this is and that could get perceived in different ways. How was that received? Maybe this is something that I have been more oblivious to than other women because I have three younger brothers, because in our internal hierarchy, I was always the boss. And so it didn't bother me so much to have... Um, male counterparts or, you know, male coworkers that, coworkers that answered to me or sometimes had some sort of like um, pushback against uh, uh, things that I wanted to establish because I was already like used to navigating that type of thing with my brothers. And my position was just like, tough luck. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, it, I don't know what to tell you. We can make accommodations to a certain point. But like, if you're just against this solely on the premise of you just don't want to do it, then that is like a, a problem in and of itself. Yeah. Well, the, the, and, and I'm asking that because there's some research recently that was like, you know, people of color in their performance reviews, they often get criticized instead of their performance in the open text fields is, is words about their personality. So that's why I was just wondering if that was something that happened to you as well. I think lately there have been some conversations, especially as, you know, I'm going through like fundraising and stuff like that. There have been some conversations that are more personal than professional. Like they're not really fully centered around like the performance of the company, but more like, oh, well, how do you personally think that you guys are going to navigate through this? Um, I say this because I'm almost eight months pregnant. So I think like there's been some times where like there's been criticism on like, oh, so like how are you going to handle maternity leave? Or like, what are you going to do when your child's born? That like, I've never heard those questions asked to men ever. Mm. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to do the same thing that your homeboy did when he had his kid. <laughs> you know? like Or the same thing you did when you had it. You know what yeah. I mean? The person asking you. Yeah. You know? And so I think that kind of goes hand in hand sometimes with criticisms or like feedback that are like based in personality traits or like life choices and things like that, that don't really have anything to do with the business itself yeah i had someone on the podcast that said well a lot of women have, have said that it's almost this expectation that they're not going to return the most people have yeah. like there have been women um on the podcast that said that they had an office they go out on mat leave they come back and people like <laughs> like imagine you know that like in a movie when somebody walks in and like the dj scratch like work it, work it, and the yeah. whole yeah. thing stops like uh -huh. she walked in and everyone gasped like oh <gasps> she came back and she's yeah. like it was i not supposed to come back she came yeah. back her office wasn't even there anymore yeah it's given not away surprising. it's not but i think messed up but but i think that also 
forces people to think of like, should I even share this information with people? Something yeah. as simple as and beautiful, sorry, not simple, but as beautiful as having a baby. Like I've had moms say that they've hid the fact that they were a mom. So I've, you know, after pregnancy with their clients because they didn't want to seem like she wasn't like the cool person that she was before. Yeah. And I'm just like, damn. This is like the first podcast that I'm mentioning this and I'm about to have this baby. So that's, I feel like very an intentional choice born out of like struggles that like I'm still going through, you know what I mean? And so it's like, it's hard, like you said, authenticity comes in waves, right? Where it's like, what do you choose to like share with other people and to what extent and stuff like that? Because all of this is part of you, but you know, how much, how much access do you give to, to those parts of you too? I mean, it's something as simple as like, yo, you, let's just say like, you're really cool with some investors. They add you on Instagram. You want to show your maternity sh shoot yeah. or like after the baby's born, you want to be like, yo, look at their feet. Like it's beautiful shit like that. Right. But you're like, yo, can I not post that now? Because certain people follow me. Do I got to create a close friends group? Like look at yeah. all the work people got to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's a real thing. And I'm hoping that very soon we'll get to a place where it isn't a thing because at one point, every woman, every full-time woman on my team and we're a majority woman owned and operated company was pregnant. And mm -hmm. so like, and we still got into Whole Foods. We still got into Target. Like we still had all this growth and it's a company powered by mostly pregnant women. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm sure like on some level, I don't know either you or the women on the team all pregnant at the same time like i'm imagining going back to that story of like yo who do i talk to about these experiences like y'all can literally talk to each other about these experiences yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i think too like at some point you know it 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 doesn't feel any different you know it's just like yeah i'm pregnant the same way that you're tired today or something or i'm hungry or whatever it's just it becomes like a part of your everyday life you know so that you forget sometimes that like other people will treat you differently because of it yeah well because of that do you feel pressure to hide certain things absolutely i mean like i said this is the first time that i've talked publicly on a podcast about my pregnancy and i'm very near having this baby so i feel pressure to hide that which i won't be hiding it for much longer obviously <laughs> and yeah i mean i think that's probably the biggest one in these last few years other things i've been very like transparent about and stuff like that i think maybe sometimes i mean this isn't something that i hide but like we're headquartered in the small town that i live in we're not headquartered in la we're not headquartered in new york there's a lot of assumptions being made like oh you're in california so you're in la or san francisco you know and i'm like oh no like a little south of there, a little north of there, you know what I mean? And stuff like that can impact the way that people think that you're able to operate. But I'm like, it's 2023, we're all working remotely. I'm not going to like person meetings all the time, you know, like didn't everyone get a Zoom crash course um, during the pandemic, you know? That's fascinating as if like the Wi-Fi is faster in SF or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it is hinges on the fact you can build deeper networks or deeper connections if you're in the same place as other people. But I do think like there's a way to do that that doesn't dictate that you are there in person 24 seven. I mean, most adults don't even like hanging out in person <laughs> anymore anyway. So like, why do I have to be there? Yo, that's fascinating because on some level, and what's the name of the town by the way? It's called Hanford. Hanford. 
it's interesting, right? Because on some level, you want to say like, "Yo, I'm in." Like, I, I'm just, I'm just making this up. Like, and I don't know why my mind went to like a letter, like where you have to like write out the city and then the state. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> or like, all right, let's let's say on the Instagram or the website, right? You're like, um, headquartered in Hanford, California, versus, damn, should I say Hanford or should I just say California? Yeah. So that when people see the profile they don't have that perception but then at the same time if i don't say hanford i'm missing an opportunity to represent this beautiful community that is hanford yep like you got you probably think about all these things yeah these retailers are mostly in la or san francisco and so we're a california city we're right in between like equidistant almost to the mile between both of these places And so sometimes we don't qualify for certain grants or certain programs because like we're not headquartered in LA County or San Francisco County. Whereas where we are headquartered, we actually grow 60% of the nation's produce within a hundred mile radius of my house. So all the stuff that's in your stores is from our town. So how can I not qualify for any grants or any of these local programs when everything in this store is from where we're from? And um, so it's something that we think about all the time. I was very deliberate in putting on our cans, like distributed by Agua Bonita, Hanford, California, um, because Mm -hmm. I don't think that our region gets enough credit for the contributions that we make, honestly, to the entire nation. Yeah, that's dope. That I didn't know that that was actually reflected on the can. Mm -hmm. That's so dope. I um. I think something else that is potentially a little scary when it comes to authenticity is kind of like this and kind of like with what you're building is this opportunity to to be a little bit outspoken. But when you are outspoken, I think it comes with some pushback or some fear. I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> and my all right, so when I was at TikTok, I posted my salary transparently, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, this is my base, my bonus. <laughs> All of these things, right? And it was on Latina Equal Pay Day out of all days, right? That said, a lot of people were like, oh my God, thank you so much. This is going to help me negotiate, blah, 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 right? There were some executives that were like, you shouldn't have done that, right? And then I told my mom, and then my mom swears it's like, there's like this Illuminati of business people that were like, mijo, como tu hace eso? Like, they're going to find you in this, right? But here you are in this industry with some like legacy companies, powerful legacy companies. And on some level, I've seen you sort of like speak out in support of what you're building and like other people maybe stealing your ideas or whatever. That's got to be fucking terrifying. Yes. And it's 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 hard because like where's the fine line in like promoting your product and calling out bad practices in the industry, yeah. you know, because like yeah. that's a tricky line to walk, you know, and no one wants to poke the bear too much where, you know these big companies can crush you if they if they found it in their prerogative to wipe you off they could that is a hard one to walk because you know on the industry side like everyone knows that it happens and you know everyone knows like you know big corporations come and steal your ideas or there's investors that like really aren't that great to work with or there's retailers that like say that they promote diversity and women-owned businesses and stuff like that but then like actually really don't give you like any incentives you know and no one wants to say anything because we're scared of not 
getting, you know, the opportunities that we work our asses off to get. And so it's one of those things, sometimes you just have to like pick and choose your battles, but it's hard. It's hard to decide which ones to speak out on and which ones to just like internally bitch about. <laughs> so why, why do you say something? Uh, I say something because I feel like if I don't, no one else will ever have the courage to. And we are building a platform with a very supportive community that I think values the same things that we value. And I think that it's important to let our community know, and it doesn't have to be in a like, in a bad way, but it's it's important to let our community know that like some of these practices exist and the things that you're being told are not actually the things that are being upheld behind the scenes. And you get to decide what you want to do with your money. It goes back to that question of like, did anyone tell you to do that? Or did, you know, I feel the pressure within myself to to stand up for my business, for what I'm building, for all these kind of things. Like, did anyone tell you, like, yo, you better say something, <laughs> you know? I actually was encouraged not to say um, anything by a few different people, which I'm sure you, like you said, with TikTok, like, why did you do that? You know what I mean? There was yeah. a few people that when I was thinking about how to address certain things, <clears throat> they were like, don't say anything. Why would you say anything? And that actually just made me want to do it more. Um, <laughs> it's like, this is exactly why this system is so fucked up is because yeah. you expect us to not say anything. And so now I'm going to do it and we'll see how it goes. And if it, if it ruins everything that we've built, then like, so be it. I don't think that it'll ruin everything that we've built because we've built this in um, like in authenticity and in genuine efforts built on good business practices. And so if this one thing is really enough to like take that all away, then like, then maybe, then maybe that's just how it was supposed to be. And then it goes back to like, you know, statistically most startups don't make it anyway. So like, <laughs> like you know, like, why not use the opportunity to at least advance some of these things and like open some doors and shut some other doors, you know, for other people that might come up behind me. I have a theory that, or no, I have a assumption that the people that gave you that advice were much older than you. Yes. <laughs> Same with me. But I think it's often because those are survival tactics. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes, you know, that like it's a different day and age and like they're just telling us what got them by. Yeah. And they're looking out for us, which is fair. Yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> not going to listen to it, but, <laughs> but <laughs> some some stuff I do for sure. You know, like I said, you got to pick and choose. But I get it. I get that it's coming from a place of love and a place of not wanting to see us be put through turmoil, especially yeah. after having like experienced it themselves. Exactly. Well, I want to know some of the feedback that you received after. Was it supportive where people were like, yo, I didn't want to do it, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, I think it's been overwhelmingly supportive. I think that there's whenever there's been an opportunity for me to talk about some of these things that it resonates with new people. I mean, I will say like the Internet's a tricky place. Like it was overwhelmingly supportive. But then there is some people on the Internet were like, oh, she's so stupid, blah, 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 blah. Mm. You know, like all this kind of stuff. And also you be in the comments. Yeah, and that's where I mess up because, you know, <laughs> because because I see these things and, um, you know, like I have to remind myself that like, you know, some of these people that are commenting, one, don't know 
anything about how the industry works and have no idea like what they're actually really talking about, right? Like I would get people being like, oh, um, they're so dumb. Didn't they get patent or something? And like in order to file um, for that, for um, food and beverage, you have to furnish your entire recipe. So it's like no one in food and beverage has those because then you, you give your whole recipe to the whole world, you know? But it's Interesting. Like, yeah, but it's like, you know, I don't expect people that don't work in the industry to know that, right? Like they're just putting their lawyer hat on and thinking like, didn't you take all the precautions and stuff like that? And it's like, yeah, I did. But it's I can't spend my time and my energy responding to every person that calls me stupid for something like that, you know? Especially when it's such a small fraction of the overall community that's very supportive. For 2023, I wish for you less time in the comments. I think that's gonna oh, be good I, for you. that's been done. <laughs> I have a social media manager. Uh, don't tell me what's going on unless someone <laughs> cool says something nice. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yo, I, when I do, when like, when I did my post or whenever I do these sort of things and my mom thinks the Illuminati is gonna come after me, I, um, <laughs> like that time in particular, yo, no lie, I didn't, this is probably TMI, I didn't poop for a week. Because, yo, the anxiety was taking over my entire body. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a lot like like during it. I was like, you know what? I get why people don't do this. Yeah. uh (laughs) No. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things, especially when you do it and then you feel all the feelings that come with it. It is easier to understand why people would be scared. And, And I get it. I totally get it. But, you know. I don't know. My mama didn't raise no punk. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's it's interesting. Like you're in this position where you are potentially raising VC funds, and although you're running your own company, you you said it earlier. Like there there's still a lot of pressure. Like why don't you in these days go back to that earlier? person in your career and think well maybe i'll raise more funds if i straighten my hair maybe i'll raise more funds if i'm not as outspoken maybe if i do you know what i mean like if i assimilate to the to the most white male version they'll love me why do you not do that because that is the antithesis of our company and i can't do that and operate this company with the spirit that I want to operate in if that's the premise which with will operate. I think now more than ever, especially as I learned more about how the VC world works, right? Like going into this, I did not understand how the VC world worked and what kinds of capital there were and stuff like that. I am better versed in it now, you know, still not like the world's expert on it, but I know a lot more than when I, when I started. And now I really, really understand like the value of bringing on like mission aligned and vision aligned investors because of the impact that they can have on your business, both like professionally and personally. And so if I were to just assimilate and like change those things, that's not the kind of investor that I would be attracting, right? Like like attracts like. What's the one thing that continues to inspire and empower you to continue being your most authentic self? My family. I don't think my family ever thought that this business would get as big as it is starting to get right now. Not in a bad way. They never doubted that it would get big either. You know, I think that just with every new win, is something so amazing to them and that reminds me like 
of where I came from, where I've come from, who I'm doing these things for. And that at the end of the day, they're going to be proud of me no matter how this shapes up. And honestly, who else, who, who else do I care about besides like my family's approval of, of what I'm doing with my life? Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Can Do It As podcast. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor and leave a rating and a review. It'll help us ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by more people. Thank you. See you next time.